Repercussions, mm. the meaning of this thing, because as positive as it is on the one side for the economy and for sectors of the economy like manufacturing and retail, etc., on the humanistic side of things, I have some questions about it. You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 102, Time Trek, Encoding, Foreboding, Western Yeah, that's a great tune by, who are they called? The Americans? What are they called? The Five Americans. The Five it? Americans. Yes, Western Union. But Morse code. Morse code, S-O-S. Which predates barcode. Mm-hmm. Morse code is named for Samuel F.B. Morse, an inventor of the telegraph. Mm. So S-O-S is three dots and three dashes, followed by... Three dots, hmm. SOS, and it was first used in 1844. There you go. So that technology, which is a communication technology, mm-hmm. morphed into an information technology Yes, that we're talking about today as part of our Time Trek series, mm-hmm. where we kind of locate something in time that happened and the evolution that followed and its repercussions. Mm. So in this case, the barcode, because I work in retail. And I do hundreds and hundreds of scans of barcodes every day. It just occurred to me the other day to ask the question, when did this phenomenon begin? There were no barcodes when I was a child. No, no. So how did this happen? Why did this happen? Actually, the beginnings of it, you were doing a little bit of research on this, and you discovered that the actual beginnings were in the 1930s. Yeah, grocery stores at the time were beginning to be conscious of tracking products more carefully and kind of acquiring information about them and storing that information. And so a Harvard business student by the name of Wallace Flint, in 1932, he developed a kind of punch card system where the customer would fill out this punch card, this product punch card, give it to the counter person, Mm -hmm. they would insert it or scan it in some form, and then this kind of flow rack would grab the product and bring it out to the customer. But it turned out that... Well, right in the middle of the Depression. Yeah, right? the Depression was happening. It was too expensive. It was kind of ungainly and too awkward. So nothing really happened with but, that. But the seeds were planted. Seeds were planted. And then uh, 1948, you have a graduate student at Drexel Institute by the name of Bernard Silver, who overhears a food company executive and the dean of the school talking about researching some sort of automatic system mm-hmm. for getting product information stored and collected for the supermarket world, right? And he actually takes that question of research to a friend of his whose name was Joe Woodland, mm-hmm. and together they developed the basis for the first barcode, which was actually like a target. It was circular. Bullseye. A bullseye mm-hmm. compared to the actual rectangular or square barcodes that we know today. Today, The yeah. ones with the 12 digits and the long lines. Vertical lines. And then they patented that along with the rectangular version. And, and the actual patent, just for reference, was 1952. Yeah. 
49 for the circular one, and then 52 for the other. So you were a year old and I wasn't born yet. Yeah. I mean, in our youth, these things weren't really out there yet as mm-hmm. a mass-produced thing. But they found that the target prototype, first of all, they in Woodland's own home, they created this prototype using a 500-watt incandescent bulb. It was all desk-sized to try to read The code, working with cinema technology, oscilloscopes, and and that sort of thing. It was big and unwieldy, but it was still ahead of its time, even at that rate. Mm -hmm. But it still took a lot of years into the 1960s when the Philco company purchased the patent and then later sold it to RCA. And then in 1967, the Association of American Railroads began using the barcode to ID railroad cars, all things, right? And then you get into the early 70s when you start to see the introduction into the world of grocery stores, the first one being on a pack of Wrigley chewing gum Hmm. in the, the Marsh department stores, called Marsh, I believe. So it's interesting, this evolution. Now, there was resistance. Manufacturers didn't like the idea. They already had their existing methods of identification of products mm-hmm. that they'd have to change or they'd discard. They'd have to revamp everything. Yeah, the mm-hmm. cardboard manufacturers worried that a printed code might spoil their product in some sure. form. Sure. Canners didn't want to be obligated to put a barcode sticker on the bottom of every single can. Mm-hmm. So it took about four years to arrive at a kind of workable solution. And coincidentally with all this, so now we're up to the early mid-70s, which Mm -hmm. happens to be the beginning of the information age. Exactly. So when you and I were in university, essentially, during those years Mm -hmm. is when it really kind of clicked in. I don't personally have a memory of that happening. It just sort of, it's there. It happened sometime. We were still kind of in the, not only early stages, but as they say, nascent period. Yeah, and computerization itself had to evolve. Laser technology had to evolve because Mm -hmm. in order to read the barcodes, ultimately they had to invent laser scanners. Mm -hmm. That took a while to develop as well. So it's another one of those situations where the ideas are there, they just need the technology to catch up. Yeah, so like a small idea forcing the evolution of a bigger development in that world. Sure, because the barcode in itself is a data gathering system. Yeah, and the ones we know, the rectangular ones, they gather a certain amount of data about the manufacturer, the date of manufacture, maybe when it was shipped, Mm -hmm. the price, the number, the inventory, that sort of thing. But subsequent to that, there have been all kinds of different barcodes created that acquire and gather way more information. There's the square QR Mm -hmm. code that has way more information than our standard Uh, barcodes. We can click on our iPhones or mobile devices and immediately imprint that particular code. And the evolution, as you're saying, is perpetuating further development. The computer seems almost a perfect match. Yeah. You've got all this information. Mm -hmm. Now you've got to process this information. And if you can process it quickly and easily, you're just going to escalate the entire procedure. Not only that, but the size of the barcode has been shrinking. Researchers at MIT have created a barcode that is literally four millimeters Mm-hmm. in size and has way, way more information than any of these other more clunky one-inch or three-quarter-inch size barcodes. Along the line right? of microchips. Yeah, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Which are now being used in pets, for example, mm-hmm. to 
find them if they get lost, and potentially in the future be implanted into human beings mm -hmm. if we get over the ethical and moral considerations, right? Which is perfectly in line with all the development in artificial intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Woodland, mm -hmm. at the beginning of researching this, he said this, quote, I remember I was thinking about dots and dashes when I poked my forefingers into the sand. And for whatever reason, I, I didn't know, I pulled my hand toward me and I had four lines. I said, golly, now I have four lines and they could be wide lines and narrow lines instead of dots and dashes. Mm -hmm. Now I have a better chance of finding the doggone thing. Seconds later, he says, I took my four fingers, they were still in the sand, and I swept them around into a circle. And so there's the target, the first... Right, the bullseye. Uh, the first uh, bullseye barcode right there in the sand. Which is right in line with prehistoric symbolism. Yeah. Writings on cave walls. And exactly, so on. yeah, that's a very good thought, that a lot of these developments are from our natural playfulness with the environment around us, whether it's mm -hmm. sand or markings on cave walls. So that's interesting that you Using that. symbols as triggers. Yeah. So inventiveness can come from any direction. Mm -hmm. you know, and that segues altogether. perfectly into the area that I wanted to approach, which is in human beings, our brains, the original encoding machine. Yes. We encode constantly, visual stimuli, audio stimuli, we're yeah. always having to translate information that we're receiving. Yeah. For example, memory. Mm. You can take any memory, single memory, and treat that as a barcode. Because mm -hmm. that memory, when recalled correctly, unpacks a pile of information exactly. about that moment in time mm -hmm. that we so-called experienced. Right. So we're constantly doing that, decoding stuff that we've encoded naturally through the way our brain works. And our ability to decode generally determines our overall mental health. Yeah, that's a good thought because too. Because when you get into Alzheimer's and dementia and so on, basically that's the ability that you're losing. Well, and then look at what therapists do. That's what they do, don't they? Mm -hmm. They help the patient decode the memories and the experiences they've had that have tied them up in knots mm -hmm. and given them complexes or whatever they want to call them. Mm -hmm. But it's really a process of decoding or uncoding something that has been misunderstood or not understood by the patient. Mm -hmm. And once they understand it, ah, there's an opening and a release mm -hmm. because the information is clear. There's clarity. It's right there. And then drawing even a simple parallel, for example, with an ordinary public library, uh, you have this tremendous resource of information, but essentially what you have is volumes of books, right? volumes of information that are stored mm -hmm. until you need to access them. Right. So this little invention of the barcode, I mean, in some ways it's as revolutionary as computer development. Mm -hmm. You know, that little thing has allowed us to compact and store information and organize it, more importantly, mm -hmm. in ways that are easily accessible, immediately accessible, quick and efficient and convenient for the shopper, for example, who goes mm -hmm. into the store to buy their products. Yeah. And in fact, the scanner technology, we now use it ourselves in self-checkout. Mm -hmm. There's a funny uh, routine by a British fellow by the name of James May. I love it. That we maybe will pop that into Voxbox. Definitely will. As uh, he talks about barcodes. His delivery and his accent just adds a little spark to it all. <laughs> it does. Voxbox.
The weird thing about barcodes is they seem fantastically modern and incomprehensibly clever, but it's actually what the computer engineers would call a lot of simplicity. It is just the difference between black and white, and the difference between naught and one. It's just a way of representing it. And it's actually been around a long time, since the 70s, and the research on it goes back to way before my birth. It's that old. But I've often thought it's strange that the, the next leap hasn't been made, which is that obviously it's designed to make things quicker and, and more foolproof at a till in a shop, for example. But it hasn't developed to the point where the people who work in supermarkets can actually speak barcode. Because then somebody could be in the aisles and they could say, hey, Doris, have you got a space, space, bar, space, bar, bar, space, bar, 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 space, space. And they say, oh, yeah, it's on the third shelf down, the space, bar, bar, space, bar, 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 space, space shelf. And if you could do it very, very quickly, so they just came out as a give streams of information about groceries to each other in the space of a second or two and save a great deal of time. And you could also go up to an assistant in a shop and instead of saying, do you have any of those sweet potatoes that are quite popular in Jamaica and used in some of their rather spicy and interesting soups and stews, you could just go up and say, excuse me, and they would know the answer and go, yes, sir. And then you'd know exactly where to go. Box, box. Let's just talk a little bit about repercussions, Hmm. the meaning of this thing, because as positive as it is on the one side for the economy and for sectors of the economy like manufacturing and retail, etc., on the humanistic side of things, I have some questions about it. Because, as I said earlier, when I was a child, you'd go into a store, you'd say, you know, hello, Mr. Johnson. Um, can I have a pack of uh, Wrigley's bubblegum? Human interaction. And they go and they mm. get it and they put it in front of you and they mm. say, well, my boy, that's going to be uh, 75 cents for that. And then he'd have this till manual cash register thing and you'd chat. It mm. might take a few minutes and then you'd go away mm-hmm. chewing. Now, seconds. You, you go up, you give it, it goes, doot, it's 50 cents. You're gone. Mm-hmm. So the average retail transaction in my world, for example, is about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. They've timed it and I've experienced it. It's mm-hmm. about 30 seconds. Right. Even if the person has 12 items, you can scan those items so quickly and into a box or a bag and they're gone. Mm-hmm. It's less than a minute. And consequently, I see a lot of faces and people through the day, but it's very hard to kind of take a moment with someone and just have a little chat. You're not likely going to do that. No, people are in line Line. and people are expecting to get through. And in fact, they're putting their money down or their card into the reader Mm -hmm. and they're leaving before the reader is saying accepted or declined. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the people, in effect, are almost as mechanized as the process which they're going through, right? Yeah. And they won't even tell you half the time what kind of card they're putting into the reader because I need that information for my Mm -hmm. till. They just kind of hold a card vaguely in front of the reader, and I have to guess whether it's a debit card or a credit card Mm -hmm. or whatever. So people have these expectations now that the technology is just going to whisk them through. through yeah. They don't have to say anything, do anything. They just pull out this piece of plastic and they wave it around and it's done. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's that element of impatience and the lack of social interaction. Im- that, impersonal. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, They're talking about implanting chips in adults. 
maybe for Alzheimer's purposes, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah, there can be positive sides to this as well. Oh, where's Uncle Bill? Uh-oh, Uh-oh. he's off on his uh, Alzheimer's trip again. Let's get the scanner out. Beep. Beep. Oh, yeah, he's over at the uh, at the bowling alley. And he forgot his pants. And he forgot his pants. <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. right. You know, old Uncle Bill. So there are ethical issues there. Do we really want that kind of intimacy mm-hmm. with technology? And surveillance. And surveillance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have a chip in you, mm-hmm. then you're traceable no matter who you are or where you are, mm-hmm. you're traceable. And I would probably argue that we are barcodes already within the information age. Mm-hmm. Social media, the big algorithms are tracking yeah. us as we speak. Mm-hmm. All of our choices, all of our websites we visit. Information gathering. Yeah, it's like we're being scanned, Mm -hmm. like a barcode would be scanned by the algorithms out there that are gathering the information about us. Not only about us, but they're feeding it back to us. Yeah, in the form of shitty products, (laughs) mostly. (laughs) With barcodes on them. With barcodes on them. (laughs) So it's like, what? This is a surreal kind of world in some Mm -hmm. ways because Mm -hmm. of that. So that's a big one. But as you said before, our minds are encoding and decoding machines in a way, right? They are the ultimate encoding and decoding machine. And as a writer, as an artist, I can think of the world of art in that way as well. Mm -hmm. When you think of poetry, what a metaphor is, it's a code. Exactly. That points in a certain direction, then you kind of figure it out. A color in a painting can be a code. Yeah. So we tend can, to associate colors with certain feelings. That's right. So an abstract painting, mm-hmm. as a reader, I'm scanning the painting for color, for motion, and the combination of that is a kind of a code mm-hmm. that unlocks a certain feeling in me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm decoding the artist's code, if you like. Same with audio. Right. Audio, high frequencies, low frequencies, yeah. pitch. You can actually alter a person's imagery right. by altering the sounds. Yeah, so you can manipulate, in other mm-hmm. words. In fact, even with uh, memory, for example, oftentimes, if you recall different methodologies when you were in school or in learning institutions, where you were looking for ways to retain information, mm-hmm. so the use of mnemonics, for example, yeah, uh, those are kind of audio symbols mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to trigger the mind and to recall. Yeah, or, you know, word association. Mm -hmm. Like, I would always have trouble remembering whether the fork went on the right or the left in place settings. And finally, I came up with this little simple thing. Uh I found a word, and the word was forklift. So every time I'm not sure which way it goes, I just recall the word forklift, fork left. Ah. And it goes on the left. Well, you were one of the lucky guys, because (laughs) most guys hear it from their spouses or their girlfriends. I think I might have heard it from... A few times? (laughs) (laughs) Why? What's wrong with you? Why do you put it on that side? Exactly. How many times do I have to tell you? (laughs) In order to save my own ass, I had to develop this little... Forklift. ...thing. But we do that. We encode all the time, right? Mm -hmm. You can also take, for example, in literature... James Joyce's Ulysses. Excellent example. Finnegan's Wake. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of wade into it and you have to kind of scan it. You can't read it like a normal book. Book, right. You have to almost treat it as code Mm -hmm. and allow it to kind of wash over you and to absorb it and let the the intuitive mind kind of decode it as you go. You're like deciphering the story as you read. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, And you can't read it in the normal way. Uh, so, you know, there are examples of that in literature as well, where there's kind of encoded art. 
Mm -hmm. It's in nature too, all over the place. Animals, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily know. Yeah. We often refer to many of the things they do as instinctual. Yeah. But they're also decoding and encoding. You know, yeah. a bat with sonar, dolphin, mm. uh, they've got their own system. Yeah, and we kind of decode our pet by examining their habits. Mm -hmm. And we think we know our animal because we know their habits. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a lot we don't know. Right. Our technology for understanding and decoding animal consciousness is fairly poor at this point. And mm. speaking of the mystery of nature, Mm -hmm. and uh, understanding who we are and what we are. Uh, whenever there's a death in the family or a close friend, we immediately go to that place of what is the barcode here? Like it's as if death is this gigantic barcode that we can't quite read yet. We don't have the scanner technology mm -hmm. to read that barcode to understand why it is we're here why it is we go through all of this stuff and gather all this information and materials mm -hmm. for it to end just like that, which was your term for right. the end. Just right? like that. A just like that moment. Mm -hmm. What's the point of all that, right? Mm -hmm. So barcodes are a wonderful thing. They've proved really useful and they'll be with us for a long time, I suspect. Mm -hmm. There may be variations of the ones that we have, mm -hmm. depending on what it is that they have to do or what it is that they want them to do. And from this perspective, I'd be really curious to just touch on what you see going forward. Well, it's not so much what I see, but there are already things going on mm -hmm. moving forward. For example, there's a project called the International Barcode of Life. Mm -hmm. It's ongoing. And what it aims to do is to compile a catalog of all the species of life on Earth. So in the future, it might not be unusual to see somebody go into a grocery store with their cell phone mm -hmm. and scan a barcode on a red snapper. <laughs> oh, we're referring to fish here. Yeah, and like a DNA right. barcode right. on the fish. The other thing that's ongoing that environmentalists are working with is working with barcodes in insects. So there are researchers, for example, who are already using barcodes to track the mating habits of insects such as bees. Migration habits and so on. Yeah, mm -hmm. migration habits, mating habits, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So the idea of coding isn't just barcodes anymore. There's DNA codes and different kinds of coding mm -hmm. that people are using to learn more about the natural world. And that's a good thing. Too, you know, like you were right? saying, DNA. Yeah. So I hope though that even though we have this speeded up technology that speeds up interactions in retail, especially at the grocery store, that we take a moment and just say hello to the person, acknowledge their existence as a human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can, we can scan more slowly. We can run the scanner across the barcode a little bit more slowly than doot, doot, doot. It could be just doot. Oh, how you doing, Mr. Bill? Doot. How is your son, Billy? Doot. How's your grandson, Billy Jr., Jr.? Doot. Tell that to the six people standing behind Bill. <laughs> In fact... Yeah. I, I developed a relationship, by the way, with those um, self-checkout scanners yeah. and those voices, those beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. put your bag in the bag. I developed a relationship and I wrote a poem, a poem that's about right. a relationship with a scanner voice. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going to cut that in there. It's called Rendezvous. Rendezvous, yeah. And, um, I remember the poem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was on my CD, uh, right. In the Event of True Happiness. Yeah. Place the line on the scanner. Place the line on the scanner. Whisper like soft, muted miles. Place the line 
on the page. Place the line on the scanner. Lost inside hot breath ear. Place the rhyme inside the line. Shudders as words spill soft. Place the rhyme inside the line. Love nips the promise of abandon. Please wait for assistance. Place the poem in the bag. Place the poem in the bag. Yeah, so there you go. And、uh, we'll talk next time. Mm hmm. Ciao, Harry. Ciao. The Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. <laughs>